Ciao ragazzi and welcome to another edition of Serie A Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast of Calcio told like it is. I'm Frank Crivello. Richard Carmen is here. Ciao, Richard. Ciao, Frank. Uh, how are we doing? We're doing good. I am drinking Lagunitas IPA. Ah. All right. I'm um, going with the hard stuff. I'm going with coffee. <laughs> you're going with coffee? Get that a boy. I'm, I'm drinking Lagunitas IPA only because I am too scared to drink Corona because, according to a survey, 23% of Americans think you can get the coronavirus by drinking Corona. I saw that stupid – that was crazy. I'm like, really? <laughs> this is an awesome country to live in. I mean, it's just oh. – I mean, I know, I, I know no other way, but yeah. um, <laughs> when That's I awesome. saw that, I was like, this is fantastic. So I got uh, friends that are actually buying Corona by the caseload right now. Probably, but, probably on sale. I might have to go buy some then. Yeah, you probably get a discount on it right now. I mean, how, how much of a PR nightmare is it for them right now? Oh, my goodness, yeah. That's it, guys. Come on. It's not us. Cinco de Mayo is still on. We're going we're gonna, to we're, we're still gonna do this, okay? Oh, <laughs> so, so, so everything's, everything's good. So, uh, but, yeah, and uh, that's, uh, that's what I've decided to go with uh, uh, tonight. So, um, but anyway, uh, a, a belated happy birthday to my son Anthony, uh, the only Juventino that talks to me anymore. Uh, <laughs> he just turned eight, um, and uh, we had a nice little uh, birthday party for him on Saturday. Uh, his grandparents came down as well. We uh, uh, ate a lot of, uh, let's just say, uh, whatever plans I had to diet and lose weight just got totally thrown out the window over the weekend. How about yourself? How was your weekend? Did we get to see a, a sighting from Francesca Caputo at your party? No. He didn't. Get the, he didn't play this weekend, so I mean, nothing I'm, else I'm, I'm, I'm mad at that son of a bitch. He didn't get a gift from my son. <laughs> He's supposed to be family. Uh, I don't know what to tell you, Frank. Uh, well, week was good. It was uh, busy. I had a nice three day weekend. I guess it was nice. Uh, yeah, you know, anytime you're away from work and at home, it, it's got to be nice, right? So I could use another uh, six more days of that, but uh, it is what it is. It's Monday. We're back to the grind. Why not? Why not? So, so anyway. <laughs> You know, so we were talking about this coronavirus early, and obviously uh, it was, it's an abbreviated slate of games, which we'll get to a little bit later. Five – was it five games or six games were postponed this six week? Postponed, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm losing so much. I'm losing Next week will be seven or ten. Who knows? Yeah, and now four games last week and six this week, and then they have more games possibly on tap this weekend that are going to get postponed. And, you know, first of all, the absolute just – tragedy that's going on with how this is being handled all the way across the board okay and on the one thing on the one hand i really want to give paolo delpino and everybody the benefit of the doubt because this is new and there's really no precedent with how to govern this okay but at the same time there are some really really pathetic things going on uh in the process all right first they decide play the games behind closed doors you know we're going to have to do it well then the clubs come back and they say you know, they don't want to do that because they're running into nightmares of refunding tickets or they depend on that ticket revenue. I completely get the business aspect of it. You want your you, you want those stadiums packed. OK, totally get the business of the aspect of it. But is it important to have the business aspect of it at the cost of the sporting aspect? Because, OK, my understanding is Juve Inter was going to be the big game of the weekend, but it was going to be played behind closed doors. And then Juve floated the idea. I, I know if the idea was floated, whether it was Del Pino that did it or whether it was Agnelli or, I, you know, I have no idea. 
you know, just I'm going through the snippets on Twitter and trying to understand as much as I can. And every time I read something new, I still don't get it. But they say, all right, we can play it Monday. Like the coronavirus takes the day off, takes Mondays off from infecting people. It's holiday. Yeah, it's their, ho- it's their holiday. It's Mondays. They figure we suffer enough on Mondays. Why add on to it, right? <laughs> okay. So – and they're going to say, yeah, we, we can have fans come in and interest said, no, no, the game's scheduled for Sunday. We're going to play Sunday. All right. And I don't blame Inter for that. OK, but then finally they step in and they take the decision. The league takes the decision that those games that were planned to be behind closed doors are now postponed and they're pushed to May 13th. All hell breaks loose now, especially on the part of Inter fans because, and Inter supporters and Inter people because they're saying now that the league is distorted. And when you take a look at what that does to their fixture list, in the space of a week, they have to play Atalanta, Juve, and Napoli. Okay? Uh, in, in, you know, in hopes of trying to win a Scudetto or in making a push to win a Scudetto, they've got that fixture pileup. Okay, and I don't blame Inter for being upset with how this got managed. I don't blame the Inter people being upset. I don't blame Nima for being upset. And I know that he is having a field day with this stuff on Twitter. If you've read any of his stuff, so I don't blame I don't blame them for feeling that way. A lot of other teams are maybe in that boat. The other reason why that sporting aspect gets destroyed: if you want to backload this fixture list into May, there's this little thing called Euro 2020 that's also coming up. All right. And how many of these players by the end of the Serie A season are going to be burned out from playing matches just about every three days, especially the teams at the top, Juve, Inter, you know, right now Lazio is not terribly affected by this. Their games are going on. Um, How, you know, how burned out are these players going to be and how much is it going to affect how they perform for their national teams that they're done with the season, they played a game every three days, and now they've got to do a quick turnaround and go to national team training. And you give Mancini in particular because the majority of the players will be on the Italian national team. You give him a whole new set of problems as to how he's supposed to navigate his team uh, you know, through a pre-tournament training and get them ready. All right. When they're tired. And now he's got to go through all of that. So you've got a whole bunch of sporting questions that have to get asked if they carry on like this. Now, Inter, at the one time, you know, some of the Inter supporters, it's not all of them, are mad because the game just didn't get played on behind closed doors on Sunday. Okay, like they wanted that advantage of playing behind closed doors. Inter, let me remind you. Okay, you had an advantage several months ago. At your home stadium, fully packed, playing Juventus, where you could have made your statement and you could have put a stamp on this title race and could have put yourself ahead of everybody. You had everybody there. You lost. Fairly, by, by I might add, Juve didn't have any shenanigans in that game, Richard. Usually I call them out when they do. Yeah. All right. But you lost. So now you can't, you know, on the one and I also, you, you can't just turn around and say, well, we're going to do this because we want Juve to play behind closed doors. Well, I am Again, let's bring in the business aspect of it. Teams want their ticket revenues. Teams don't want to figure out how they're going to refund everybody. They don't want to go through that hassle and there's costs involved and all of this other stuff. So there's the business aspect of it where I can respect what teams are doing and why teams are wanting to just postpone because they want their stadiums filled. Okay, And quite frankly, as someone that doesn't have a dog in that hunt between those two teams, Juventus and Inter should have fans in it regardless of where it's being played. Yeah. Okay. 
It should be packed. It is a representation of one of the greatest rivalries in Italian football, and it needs to have everything that goes along with it. I wouldn't. We would have gone on here and we would have recorded this, Richard, and I would have hated having to recap a Juve Inter game that had nobody at that at the J to watch it. So there's a lot of moving parts, and now they're talking about here's here's the latest layer. This is great. Let's do this. All of the games that we just postponed, we're actually going to play them on March 9th, and we're going to take the scheduled match week for this weekend, and we're going to push it back a week. And so now, if you think you had a home match next weekend, that's actually an away match. So those of you that wanted to go and support your team, say on March 14th, for example, well, they're playing away now, okay? And that home match is going to be March 21st. You have to change your plans, all right? I want to give... Lega Calcio and Serie A, the benefit of the doubt, Richard, uh, because this is new. There's no precedent for how to govern a situation like this. But at the same time, every time they take a step, they seem like they trip. And, you know, they're trying to protect the business element. They're doing it at the cost of the sporting aspect of, of football. All right. And the sporting well-being of these players. All right. And now trying to introduce this where you're going to further inconvenience the fans. It's going to be less of a it's a less it's a lesser inconvenience on the fans to tell them that the game is going to be played behind closed doors and your money's going to be refunded than it is to push everything forward by a week and make everybody jump through flaming barbed wire hoops to change all of their travel plans, to change their ticket plans, to change when they Jerry was going to go to Italy and I think he just postponed he just canceled his trip because of the risk. All right, our 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 uh, three-time guest Jerry Mancini, um, but I I understand he postponed that trip, um, just because of the risk again. So it would be an even bigger logistical nightmare if I would understand why they would want to go ahead and do it. They've got this moratorium on public travel and being in public places through March eighth and March 9th, the first available day, and they want to they want to get in front of this as fast as they can, but. Now the very people who pay the money to go into the stadiums, you're completely inconveniencing them the rest of the way. This is just an absolute unmitigated disaster all the way around. I mean, let alone the people that are actually affected by the virus, who are dying, who are uh, in bad health. You know, that's a whole and that's a whole other kettle of fish here. But the way this has been managed by Del Pino, the way this has been managed by Seria, by FIGC, it's been poor at best all the way around. And I want to have a little sympathy for him because, and, and I'm saying this for the third time, where's the precedence and how they're supposed to govern this? Okay. Um, but at the same time, I think they've set a precedent for how not to do it. I want to give FIGC, Lega Calcio, Serie A some slack, but I don't think they deserve it. After the clam, the, the, Disaster that they had with the, with the racism couldn't figure that shit out, um, and a bunch of other crap that they have had throughout the years that they still couldn't figure out. And then this is just to add to it. And yeah, it is new, for sure. But it just Syria and and FIGC they have precedent in being dumb fucks basically, not knowing what the shit to what the shit to do when when shit hits the fan. And so this is just another glaring example of that. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't even know where to begin with this. I mean. Yes, it's crazy, but what's going on over there? And I understand the need for canceling games, but you know, flipping back and forth or this and that, no consideration to the fans whatsoever. Um, 
trying to take games that were postponed, move them to this weekend coming up, and then move those games the week down down the road or move them down the road is ridiculous notion. I mean, the, the smartest or easiest thing to do is take the games that were postponed and move them to the end of the season or whatever. Anytime there's a, a, a open in the fixture, not move the rest of the schedule. I mean, that is you you were worried about the business aspect and not playing those teams behind closed doors, but then you, you're fine with moving everyone's tickets and this and that, and you're going to have to refund more money. It's going to be more of a pain in the ass than, than ever. So it's just a, a clown show from from beginning to end. It's not even over, obviously. Um, every week we're, we're, there's one more game that's postponed than the, than the week before. So uh, at some point we're going to have no games played, it seems like. And, yeah, this, this whole thing, and it all stems pretty much from the, the Inter-Juve game where – uh, they kept going back and forth with this and that, and you know I understand everything that's going on. Uh, Stephen Zhang came out with a, a quote today. I don't know if you saw that, Frank, uh, where he mm. basically blasted FIGC and and like a Serie A. And I can read it real quick. Uh, he says, "Playing around the calendar and always putting the public health as secondary consideration. You are probably the biggest and darkest clown I've ever seen. Uh, Twenty-four hours, forty-eight hours, seven days. What else? What's your next step? And now you speak about sportsmanship and fair competition." How about we don't protect our players or coaches and ask them to play for 24-7 nonstop? Yes, I'm speaking at you, our leg up president, Paolo Del Pino. Uh, shame on you. It's time to stand up and take your responsibility. This is what we do in 2020. Everybody around the world doesn't matter if you're an Inter fan or Juve fan or not a fan at all. Please be safe. This is the most important thing, blah, blah, blah. So Steven Zhang's obviously upset as, uh, as well about this. And uh, you already mentioned all the stuff that Inter is pissed off about. I'm just freaking com- I'm confused about what Lega Serie A is trying to do or not to do. It, it's it's mind blowing, and I think the thing that pisses me off the most is this thing that you just told us about how they're trying to play the games this weekend and then postpone all the games from this weekend to another time. It's and then yeah, Juve uh, Inter getting shafted with the schedule, but I mean this the this the the, the mere fact they're not taking any consideration about people like the fans that are trying to go to the games, the health of them, and the, it's just. Head scratching. I can't wrap my head around this. It just—it's a shit show. It's a shit yeah. show. There's a FIFA date coming up on around the weekend of right now. There's no game scheduled for March 29th. Okay, March 28th and 29th because that's a FIFA date. Okay, you have the Euro 2020 playoffs taking place on March 26th and uh, March 31st. Okay. I'll tell you the countries. I'm pulling this up right now. Here are the countries that are going to be involved in that. All right. You have you have Iceland, Romania, oh. uh, Bulgaria, Hungary. Um, you have Bosnia-Herzegovina playing Northern Ireland, Slovakia huh. uh, playing the Republic of Ireland, Scotland versus Israel, Norway versus Serbia, huh. uh, Georgia versus Belarus, and then North Macedonia against Kosovo. Yeah, there are – a collection of players certainly playing in Serie A that are represented in those countries. There's no doubt yeah, about it. Yeah. Okay. But there's no reason why you can't get some special dispensation from FIFA to allow, to be allowed to have your rescheduled games on March 29th. All right. I can tell you this. Um, the Italians are going to probably play some friendlies. I haven't even looked up what their games are, but if the majority of the teams affected have players that would normally otherwise be in the Italy camp, then have these games. On March 28th and March 29th, get the dispen- get whatever you sp- special dispensation you need from FIFA to be allowed to play these games and get them in. Okay, uh, Mancini doesn't need to call up his best players for these friendlies. He has more more coming ahead, where he can where he can navigate through that, where he can figure out what his best players are. 
All right. And let these guys play with their clubs. This is a special situation. This is a unique situation. All right. And I would promise you that these clubs would much rather have it that way, have an additional weekend of being in operation than to have to uh, try to figure out, you know, letting them go to their national teams and risking injuries, playing in meaningless friendlies or tune up games or whatever the case may be. All right. There's a good answer. There's a reasonable answer to get six or so of these games played in on those uh, played in on that weekend. How nobody's thinking about that though, and I think it's because they probably don't want to piss off FIFA, or it's say, too or, was, or it's too easy. I, I was going to say you got one mafioso group trying to talk to another mafioso group. It ain't going to work because FIFA's going to be like, no, we need the attention, we need the money. You're taking away from us. Blah blah blah. They're probably not going to agree to this somehow, some way because they're stupid too, just like Syria is. Bosnia and Herzegovina against Northern Ireland. Fine. Fuck it. Let Pjanic go and play for his country. Juve don't Juve are pissed off at him anyway. They got enough guys right? on the bench too. <laughs> yeah. And they got enough guys on the bench that can take his place. You know, Jekyll can go and play for Roma because apparently Nikola Kalinic is some superstar all of a sudden. Jeez, I know. Your worst you know? come true. <laughs> God. Are you kidding me? We gotta talk nice about him later. Uh, and then, you know, Serbia, obviously there's some players. Kolarov, I don't know if he's still in the setup or not. You know, or if he or if he had retired from Serbia yet, but I know that there's some Serbian players in Serbia. SMS, you know, yeah. that's why you build big squads. Let them go play for if they want to go play for their country in the playoff. Let them go. Use reinforcements and get these games in. Okay, um, you know, to try to just you know backload it and get everybody burned out before they're supposed to go to the national teams and play in the Euros just simply makes no sense whatsoever. So I guess my take is this. It's there's there's got to be easier ways and there's got to be more reasonable way reasonable ways to figure all of this out. As pissed off as I would have been to have to recap a Juve Inter game behind closed doors, I would have far more preferred that than trying to back jam the schedule for for Inter. Yeah. On the back end, I don't want to make it sound like their loss earlier this season, the reverse fixture at the San Siro, was a punishment. That's not what I was getting at at all. But you know, don't try begging for advantages. You know, don't make it. Don't make yourself look like you're begging for advantages. Be you know, after losing your home fixture, it's kind of a tricky thing, and it's kind of a slippery slope for me to go on. But you know, you you get where I'm getting at there, right, Richard? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. So play these games on the FIFA date. You know, March 28th and 29th. Uh, players want to go play for their country. They go play for their country. The clubs have, are big enough to figure out how they can. Oh, they can put them in, you know, but the majority of these guys are playing for countries that are already qualified. All right. These national team managers are smart. They're looking at a pool of players beyond the 23. They're taking with them to the Euros. They're looking at anywhere from 40 to 50 guys. Bring in those fringe guys. Okay. Bring in those fringe guys and get a look at them and see if they should be in your plans for your 2020s. Perfect time uh, to get that sorted out. Perfect time to figure that out to see if anybody has earned the right. So. Because I don't think there's a friendly that I've ever looked back at in my life, Richard, where I say, hey, how about that friendly? Oh, what a memorable game that was. <laughs> exactly. Right? I could care. I The fact that I don't know who Italy plays in their friendlies coming up shows you how little of a shit I give about it. So, you know, there's your there's a very good idea if anybody wants to listen. But they won't. They won't. So they'll figure out how to complicate this for somebody. You know, but like I said um, – Maintaining a business aspect at the cost of the sport, maintaining the business aspect of this or trying to keep the business integrity of this um, and the ticket revenue and all this and doing it at the sport at the cost of the sporting integrity of the players and the sporting well-being of the players. Big, big mistake. Big travesty. 
Uh, I'd much rather these games carry on as scheduled and be played behind closed doors. UEFA is doing it. Inter and Ludo Gretz played behind closed doors on Thursday. Okay. Didn't they? I thought they did. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, you know, not that hard to do. You know, suck it up. You're going to have to give the money back to the fans. A lot easier to do than to try to figure all this other stuff and risk the actual assets that you have, your players. So, they're not going to try to talk to FIFA about playing on the FIFA date. No, they're chicken shit. No. So, anyway, but, uh, that's my take on, on on where it's at. It's just an aggravating thing to get through. And I'm not really that mad that Milan didn't play. They would have played at 5.30 in the morning my time, and I wasn't getting up that early to watch them play, Gen- watch them play Genoa. I would have watched it on the tape delay. So uh, it's it has nothing to do with that. So um, before we get into the games, Richard, I, wanna, I do want to plug a poll question, and this is just kind of to quick preview some Coppa Italia this week. Um, uh see here and where is that so uh here's my poll question you can find it at ftc underscore 21 you got about 16 hours left to vote uh rocky refereeing juventus milan on wednesday what's the most likely of the following uh what a uh bullshit milan red card b a bullshit penalty to juventus c a bullshit disallowed milan goal or d a bullshit illegal goal for juve can't that all happen in one play (laughs) <laughs> Mar- Mar- Martino Puccio responded and said yes so uh, yeah, so he yeah, thinks exactly. all four things are going to happen exactly, exactly. currently the poll says bullshit penalty to Juve is way out in front at 68% uh, followed by uh, bullshit Milan disallowed goal at 16 bullshit illegal goal for Juve at 12 bullshit Milan red card just at 4% I thought that would get I thought they that probably would get deserve, it, probably deserve a red card would happen in that game oh just out of frustration for getting yeah. hosed right so <laughs> You know that's probably what it is. I I agree. So, um, so that's the that's 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 what I got. Check that poll question out at FTC underscore twenty one. Um, any more comments about this coronavirus disaster? Or did we beat it beat it to death already? We beat it to death because we're getting a new wrinkle this uh, this upcoming weekend with whatever the fuck they throw at us. So yeah, let's yeah. move on from that. Oh, by the time we release this podcast, something will have changed. Oh so, yeah, I'm sure. You know, I'm just sure. a disclaimer. But anyway, all right. Well, there were four games. Let's get on to them. All right, yeah, there was four games. Uh, the four games that played luckily scored enough goals to match a whole match week there, uh, luckily, especially the two games in particular. But we'll start with Lazio hosting Bologna. Um, uh, it was uh, Lazio's chance, uh, one, the only team really in the, in the top three that had an opportunity to play. Uh, they took advantage of that. They won 2 nothing against Bologna. Uh, goals from Luis Alberto in the 18th minute, followed by three minutes later, Joaquin Correa from assist from uh, Chiro Immobile. Uh, Lazio would win 2 nothing there. Uh, they would take first place over Juventus, uh, with obviously Juventus has a game in hand because their game was postponed. Uh, moving on to Napoli and Torino. Uh, this game was played at the San Paolo. Uh, scoring started early. It was in the 19th minute. A, a wonderful uh, Lorenzo Insigne cross uh, found Manolas, uh, his, found his head, I should say. A beautiful header goal, uh, giving the one nothing lead. Uh, and then no scoring would happen until the 82nd minute where uh, a lovely cross, uh, far post, uh, found uh, Di Lorenzo, back post, a wonderful goal, goal of the week candidate, uh, scored and made 2-0. Uh, we got a consolation goal from Edera uh, in, the f- in the first minute to stoppage time uh, for a con- nice little consolation goal, but not enough. Uh, Napoli win 2-1. They continue to be hot. 
Um, moving on to the uh, barn burner of the weekend, or the first one, I should say. Uh, this one would be at Lecce. Uh, the hosts uh, would uh, start the scoring, unfortunately for Frank, uh, for their, against themselves. Uh, Donati would score an own goal in the 17th minute. Atalanta can score plenty of goals themselves. They don't need help from the opposition. Say, yeah, they don't need they don't need any help. I don't know what I don't know don't know what Donati was doing there. Yeah, I maybe so. feel bad for them. I don't know. Uh, Atalanta would double their lead uh, just five minutes later. Uh, Duvan Zapata would get his first goal, uh, make it two nothing in the twenty second minute. Uh, but then we had a goal of the week candidate by Ricardo Sapanara in the 29th minute, a wonderful right, right-footed curler uh, to the top corner. Uh, then Donati would uh, get revenge on, on his own goal and score a wonderful goal himself in the 40th minute, make it 2-2 going to halftime. You're thinking, okay, this is an interesting game. Uh, you've, Atlanta got pissed off, and then uh, they kind of went riot. Uh, in the 47th minute, Joseph Ilicic with a goal of the week candidate there, a wonderful strike there. Duvan Zapata would get, his, get a brace in the 54th minute. Uh, and then in 62nd, he would round out his tripleta with a wonderful goal, goal of the week candidate there. Uh, 87th minute, Luis Muriel would add to the misery. And then it wasn't quite over in the first minute of stoppage time. Malinovsky came off the bench and scored a goal, made it 7-2. to was the final a touchdown and a safety in that game. Uh, and then the second burn burner of the weekend, uh, Cagliari hosting Roma. Uh, scoring started early in the 28th minute, Jao Pedro with one of the goals of the week. Uh, wonderful, wonderful play. Volley off of, uh, took it off his knee and then fucking volleyed it, uh, top right corner. Wonderful strike. Nice chip shot. Uh, just a minute later, though, Frank's favorite player, Nikola Kalinic, scored in the 29th minute. Uh, a gift from Lorenzo Pellegrini. I don't know what he was doing. Maybe he thought he was on the same team as him. I don't know. But yeah, yeah, he he still thought he was playing for Roma. <laughs> a ridiculous assist, really. He should have gotten a uh, goal of the week assist there. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, so that was 1-1 at that point. And then in the 42nd minute, Kalinic was scored again, Frank. I don't remember the last time he scored two goals in a season. Uh, I mean, but let's just be fair. He scored two goals that you and I could have scored. This is right, true. So let's not act like that this is like the next people in Zaggy all of a sudden. <laughs> Maybe. I'm not, I'm not saying anything nice about him. No, I'm not doing it. Uh, so it would be 2-1 uh, to one going into halftime. Coming out of the break, uh, Justin Cliver scored a nice goal on a breakaway uh, in the 64th minute. Made it 3-1. Um, Pereira came back in the 75th minute with a goal of the week candidate. Uh, wonderful goal to pull one back. And then uh, Mkhitaryan would make it. 4-1 or 4-2 excuse me at that point in the 81st minute and just to, just to round it out Joe Pedro would get a penalty in the 89th minute uh gets saved but he got the rebound with a header it's made it 4-3 uh a crazy crazy game there 4-3 so that was the um four games of the weekend which game do you want to start at you want to start at this crazy 4-3 game between Roma Calati well Roma first of all don't don't um don't start a marketing campaign with the guys that scored uh because <laughs> Uh, because those the, the 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 first the first letter of their last names. There's an organization here in the United States yeah. that have already taken that up, and and yeah. we don't really like them. No, for for obvious reasons. So try not to <laughs> try not to come up with something like that and think that you're cool, um, because it's going to get frowned upon pretty fast. Uh, so um, uh, yeah, let's start with that. Uh, let's start with that Cagliari Roma game because. I think that this this is a representation of everything wonderful of about Roma right now, but then everything that stinks about Roma right now too. Um, yeah. You know, so uh, you, you, Kalinic, uh, you know, scored goals that anybody would have scored. So 
Um, but they got quality from Henrik Mkhitaryan, who's starting to find find a nice little patch of form. Uh, Under uh, was relatively impressive in this game, um, but you know the the same old issues exist with their defense, with Smalling and with Fazio uh, playing back there. Um, we can call them falling uh, instead of uh, so we had final last, so now we can do falling. Uh, when we combine the names of Fazio and uh, Small, so <laughs> they might as well be falling every time. They, well, they it. might as well be falling every time they play defense. Because I'll tell you what, I watched that Roma Ghent uh, game. Ghent should have knocked him out. Yeah, um, but Jonathan but, David had a nice goal in that game. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Um, so, uh, so they're you know relatively lucky to get into that. Uh, relatively lucky to get into that uh, 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 Monchi Derby in the round of sixteen mm-hmm. uh, against Sevilla. So. But anyway, um, so, yeah, uh, and then it's also everything beautiful about Cagliari and everything be- ugly about Cagliari, too. So when these two got together, you knew goals were going to happen. You know, I went to Twitter and said that, you know, how quiet of a winless run. I mean, it's noticeable in the table, you know, but I don't feel like people are really talking a lot about Calgary. They haven't won in any competition since December 5th. Jeez. That's crazy. It and we were talking about a team that was possibly going to break into the top six at that time. Now they're all the way down to 11th, and they're just they're treading water right now. I mean, first of all, they can't defend. They continue to think that Pisacani and Clavon is a good center back pairing. Um Chenji Zunder embarrassed Clavin today numerous times. Oh, he did. He did. Today, he embarrassed him Sunday. Well, he's probably embarrassing him today still, too. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's how bad it was. Somewhere. <laughs> you know, but at the same time, here's where it's, here's, here's where it's screwy for Calgary. Who are you going to put back there? Uh, you know, the look of it's uh, had a couple decent games previously, you know, before the new year. Uh, I want to I want to say that when they went to go play Juventus, he held up relatively well against Ronaldo for as well as a young player is going to do it. If Pizzacani and Clavin are going to continue to be this bad, put this kid back in and see what you got. You know, you're not going anywhere. You're not getting relegated. Now you're mired in 11th. I mean, you're not going, Europe's not happening now. You're seven points behind Napoli and they're not slowing down. So how about trying something different, Rolando Moran, especially if you want to keep that job? Because it looks like Caleri... It uh, looks like the owners, it looks like with what they invested and what they brought in this season, that they're serious about trying to have something relatively competitive over the next few years. And if you want to be part of it, you're going to have to try some different things and sustain some kind of success and show your bosses that there's a pulse here uh, before the season ends. So, um, you know, so for me, Cagliari, it's, you know, it, it continues to be the defense because they scored some wonderful goals. Pereira looks great. Uh, Joe Pedro scored a, uh, a beauty here that's going to be on my goal of the week list. I, I, I won't say where yet. Um, but uh, the defensive side of it is still just a, a is still just a tire fire right now. Um, I mean, Robin Olsen played really well. He made seven saves against his former team. That's how bad this was. Like Roma could have Roma should have had about seven or eight in this game. Uh, and only came away with four. That's how bad Cagliari are defensively. And now the novel, the even I mean, to the point where the novelty of playing in Sardinia, that's that's worn off too. Because guys are go- teams are going out there and winning games now. So yeah, it's goals. yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's just you, you got Roma who, when they go forward, when they attack, they have the look of a top four team. But now when they defend, they get exposed. So. And then now you got this. You you got the same scenario with Cagliari. So when these two got together, I know this is going to be a goal fest. Um, 
And then I saw Kalyanich in the starting lineup, and I said, well, maybe not. Um, <laughs> and then he proved, you know, well, like I said, he had two of the easiest chances you could possibly get. And then he almost – I mean, he got the one – he got the gift from Pellegrini, but then the ball that came from Mkhitaryan, Olsen got a piece of it. Yep. <laughs> so it's not like he did anything brilliant. He just was in the right place at the right time and, and managed to put two past Olsen. So – you know, I don't want anybody just all of a sudden talking about how this guy's going to be a revelation now. <laughs> I thought in uh, in particular for for Cali, I thought Joe Pedro had a had a pretty good game, and then for Roma, uh, I really Chenji Zunder and Mkhitaryan are really playing well together. I think uh, they're they're creating a lot of scoring chances, even with Colin. I mean, Colin's just scoring. It's it's mostly because these two guys are uh, setting them up. So I mean, it's, I love watching these two these two players play. Uh, just seem to carve up the defense. I mean, Clavin got. His jock is missing somewhere all because of Chenji Zundere. Mkhitaryan uh, just weaving through players and setting up people uh, left and right. Uh, it's, it's really a joy to watch those two players uh, do what they do, especially when they're on their form. Oh, I agree. And anytime you're going to Italy from another country, and in the case of Mkhitaryan, the majority of the time there's an adaptation period, you know, and – Mkhitaryan needed some time. He wasn't going to be an instant hit where he was coming from. You know, Smalling, on the other hand, got off to a nice start, but now people have kind of caught up with the way he plays and with the way he defends uh, and is maybe showing his reason as to why Manchester United aren't terribly keen on keeping him around anymore. Um, so, so you have those elements, and I think in Mkhitaryan it was the case of adapting to playing in Italy – uh, you know, dealing with the culture, maybe dealing with the language, dealing with the demands and, and stuff like that. And now he's he's in a role and he's put himself in a spot where Fonseca's trusting him a little more. And you're right. And then he's showing some form too. And and Undere is starting to come back to and they need them they need them right now because there's there's injuries galore with this team still. So um it uh, we'll we'll see uh we'll see what happens. What new can we say about uh, Atalanta with another touchdown they put up this past weekend? Um, they're just continuing to impress left and right. Even when they get challenged and punched in the mouth early, early on like they did against Lecce, they still come back out you know, banging goals left and right. Uh, they are just firing on all engines. They're, they're getting hot at the right time of the year. Think of the teams that struggled to get anything at the Via del Mare uh, this yeah. season. Yeah, oh yeah. Milan didn't get anything there. Milan drew, I think. Uh, Juve drew. Napoli either drew or no, they lost, didn't they? Yeah, I think they uh, lost. Yeah, I mean, so Inter uh, only drew. I mean, that has been a fortress, and we've talked about this before. Lecce have a very passionate fan base. They're one of the top, you know, they're one of the top in Serie A in season ticket sales. It flies under the radar yeah. with respect to everything else. Um, so it is a it is a different atmosphere, and then traveling there, uh, you know, it takes on a set of demands compared to everything else maybe being relatively closer and packed in and things like that. So, you know, for Atalanta to go and do Atalanta things uh, at Lecce says something when you consider what Lecce have done at home against teams that are ahead of them even. Um, I think Lazio still have to go there. I don't think they've been there yet. Uh, I think they've had them at home, though. Um, but anyway, um, the uh, performance from Ilicic – uh, how about that touch? Oh my goodness! Wonderful. To Wonderful. to wrong foot everybody, and then just to be able to tuck it in. Oh. Uh, and he just continues to shine. Had a couple of assists in this game. Duvan Zapata getting the hat trick. Um, you know, different guys just stepping in, guys coming in off the substitutes bench and scoring goals. They did sick turns. Scoring. They, yeah, they do. 
they they deputized Martin Darone in the back three. Did you see that? No, I did not see that. But it was something that we you know we talked about last week uh, with our with our Atalanta guests, and he said that you know Darone is someone they typically try to put in there when they can when they have to when they don't have any defenders, and uh, he did he did admirably. Yeah, he did. He did. I agree. Um, so. Man, I mean, I'm 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 running out of superlatives for Atalanta. Uh, they're my neutral team that I just I look forward to watching when um, when they're playing. So it's <laughs> you're never bored watching them play with the way they play, with how ruthless they are going forward, uh, with the chances that they can create, and it's uh, it's a lot of fun to watch. And yeah, they don't. I it's it. I'm running out of superlatives, and I certainly don't need to endorse them anymore. I think that uh, they're not a secret. They're not a secret, especially with what they did to Valencia in the Champions League. I think they've got everyone on notice, um, you know, and we can continue to keep talking about it. But man, it's just uh, it's it's something special. It it certainly is. It is, and uh, another team that's uh, playing pretty well right now, maybe not as well as Atalanta. It's Napoli. Um, they started a little rough with Gattuso, kind of what we you know we talked about how it'll happen. And now under Gattuso, the team has kind of refound itself. They're playing well defensively. They're scoring goals, just enough goals to win. Uh, they come up victors two one against Torino. Um, they had a nice nice draw in the in the midweek against uh, Barcelona, and then come back with you know could have been a a, um, a drop points in this game for sure after a letdown game. It, it didn't let it happen. Uh, Manolas with a nice goal and Di Lorenzo as well with a nice tap in there. Um, Good stuff from uh, from Napoli, and and you know I'm glad I kind of stuck with them, saying that they're going to be the team over Milan that was going to make make it into the European European spots, and at, at present they they hold that sixth position. Hot take here: um, if you wanted to make Lorenzo Insigne your Player of the Month for February for the league, I would not fight you. Um, I think that his rise in form has is had a direct has had a direct correlation. Yeah. Um, with this run that they're on all of a sudden, you know, they had that oopsie against Lecce um, at home. Uh, but, you know, you look at what they've done, uh, you know, 4-2 over Sampdoria, uh, beat Inter in the first leg of the Copa, beat one at Cagliari, beat Brescia, got that tough 1-1 draw against Barcelona. He's pro- Insigne's producing a lot of chances, of course, back in January, the big win uh, over Juventus to you know, perhaps really get this run kickstarted, obviously also beating uh, Lazio in the quarterfinal of the Coppa Italia. A lot of that got yeah. this kickstarted. And I think that, you know, Insigne's play has correlated with Napoli being able to get these results. Uh, using Mertens a little bit more, I think, has helped. Um, but I think having their mid, also having their midfield a little more solidified now. Um, you know, Lobotka uh, got the start in this game, but if it's not him, it's Deme. Uh, you know, the combination of those guys getting it done. And then getting that center back pairing change and going back to Imanolas Maximovic and getting Di Lorenzo back on the right. Now, granted, Di Lorenzo was good deputizing as a center back, but he's a right back, okay? And I would much rather any center back pairing that puts Di Lorenzo at right back is better than deputizing Di Lorenzo and then having to play Husai on the right. So, you know, Gattuso finally got that figured out after a while. Uh, although Husai started this game on the left and, and was okay, not great. Um, but, um, you know, now that they've, you know, made some of those adjustments, it, it, they look a little, they look more solid uh, and they look more confident. So, um, you know, more to see from them. You know, they've got the second leg coming up on Thursday against Inter uh, of the Copa. If they can see that through and get to the Copa Italia final, I think that, you know, in a, se- in a season that got somewhat lost, 
being able to play for a cup final of some, uh, you know, of some magnitude like the Coppa Italia, I would consider it a success considering where Napoli were at the time Ancelotti yeah. was let go and Gattuso was hired. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it, it's, a, it's a nice turnaround for, for Napoli. And then if they can make a European spot or even push, I don't think they're going to push to your Champions League spot. I thought they're playing too well. But um, yeah, the things that Napoli are doing, considering how the season's gone, uh, it would be a tremendous success to be into the Coppa Italia finals. And I would not, they would have a 50 50 chance to win that easily. I mean, based on their current form, it doesn't matter who they're going to be playing, you know, Milan or Juventus, if they made it, uh, they have a, just as good a chance against any of them. So, um, yeah, a full credit goes to Gattuso and the men for, for um, coming together and, and getting back on the right page. And, you know, they have confidence. And unfortunately for Torino, they're lacking confidence. And their new man, Moreno Longo, um, three games with Torino and three losses, uh, is not, things are not going well for him at the moment. Um, Torino just can't seem to get things together. It's it's crazy how much they're capitulating this season. Uh, this so far, I mean the last stretch here, um, they're drop they've dropped down now what to fifteenth uh, place. Don't fifteenth, yeah. So fifteenth, yeah. They're struggling confidence mightily. Not just the manager, obviously, but also the players and uh, nobody scoring for them. I mean, yeah, Adetta scored in, in stoppage time, but I mean Belotti's not scoring. Nobody's scoring on this team, so uh, their whole team is just struggling mightily. And a lot of chasing shadows against Napoli in this game. I mean, Napoli could have won this by a bunch more. Yeah. Um, you know, you feel for Belotti um, because he deserves to be in a better environment than this for his talent. Um, you know, Ansaldi put in, put in a decent performance. But after that, there's not a whole lot to get excited about uh, with how this team is playing right now. Uh, Simone Zatza has passed it, I think. Um you know, you're you're getting poor play out of Rincon and Di Silvestri. It just hasn't it just hasn't clicked, and I don't know who can come in and solve this problem. You know, you let go of Iago Falque, who is one of your creative guys. Um, and I can't remember where he's off to now. Is he at Genoa? He's at Genoa, isn't he? I think um, so, yeah. yeah, so he's out of the picture. Uh, Verde can't stay healthy, so it's. Yeah. You know, we're running into some problems here all of a sudden. Um, and to the point where it's getting relatively dangerous, only five points uh, clear of the drop and uh, not in a particular position where they can hit the beach yet because this is a Genoa team that can still turn up some some, some surprises and can still unseat some people. You know, you got Sampdoria and Lecce are going to be fighting for their lives. So if Torino continue to slip, man, I – no one would have imagined them being in the bottom three, but they're dangerously spiraling down to that. And uh, they, they need to get some kind of form going, um, you know, to get back on track. And I, you know, I'm watching this Torino team and I'm trying to figure out, well, how, you know, how are they going to do it? I mean, they don't, they don't even look inspired when you watch them play. Yeah. It looks like, looks like they're already at the beach. Yeah. And it's be careful boys. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and, uh, be careful because, this is a little early to be hitting the beach. It's only March. Yeah, ask Fiorentino so, how that happened last year. Yep. So uh, they're going to have to figure out a way to stop the bleeding. And right now with the current setup, I'm not sure how they do it. I mean, do they go to being a counterattacking team with and, and, and play to the strength? Sidig is a good goalkeeper. And Kolo is a good defender. Hope you find some form. Bremer showing some promise. Eats. So, you know, that's a, that's a decent enough back three. Do you play to the strengths and do you funnel people into them and let them win the ball and, and, and play it out? I think so. You know, that's 
that's really the way Torino is going to have to approach this, you know, and then the problem is, is that who's the guy that is supposed to link between the forwards. And then when those direct balls are getting played to them, Berenguer was on the bench. Uh, Verde came on in the 83rd third minute, but he plays wider, uh, you know, so it's, it's, it's really, it, it's complicating looking at this team. I'd have a hard time building an 11 and feeling good about it because you know, all right, this can be effective at this, but at at at, at this thing, but boy, we're going to have a problem at this other thing. Um, you know, just as an example, so you know, Verde, do you, can you counter from a wide area? Can you play him and you, can you play a three four two one and find somebody else, maybe Verde, Verde and Berenguer behind Belotti, um, and have those guys you know, defending with the midfielders. And then when that ball is one, you can get the, get the ball into Belotti. Those guys are there to get it, get the knockdowns and, and get the ball and help continue to facilitate things. That's, that's Torino's best shot, you know, as I've kind of thought my way through, you know, talking through this. So, you know, that's their best shot at getting points going forward. Oh, I, I agree a hundred percent. And, uh, a team that's very much not so in beach mode. Uh, Lazio, they continue winning. Uh, nice nice win in this one. Uh, they, they take sole possession of first place at the moment with a game in hand, like I said. Or, excuse me, Juventus have a game in hand and Inter as well because their game was postponed. But, um, you know, Lazio did what they had to do. They had to get a win and they got a win because um, you never know what's going to happen to the Juve Inter match. That could end in a draw and, you know, they'll be in first place still uh, if that were the case. But, um, yeah, Lazio continues to, to surprise us in the sense that they haven't, you know, they haven't uh, dropped points. They haven't sway, you know, wavered at all. They kind of continue on this upward upward trend, and it's great to see because what we all want to see as Serie A fans is, is a battle to the end, of the end of the season between, you know, two or three teams for the Scudetto. And at the moment, Lazio has given Juventus all they can handle, uh, and it's, it's, it's a joy to see, honestly. Man, beat an opponent, regardless of their quality, rinse, repeat. Yep. You know, I mean, and that's what they're doing. I mean, it's just, it's astonishing. They are on some kind of unbeaten run here in this league that, um, you know, you expect this from Juventus. You don't expect it from Lazio. Um, Bologna had a couple of goals reversed, which were were correct. Um, I agree. I agree. The handball there with Denswell and then um, the offside. Palacio was offside, and he yeah. was. Yeah. So those were fair. Uh, just on, you know, bad luck for Bologna. And Sarkozy made a big save, point blank on on I forget who it was, Palacio maybe. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's it's not just the forwards doing all the stuff; it's the defense. Uh, they've been really they've got a lot of shutouts in this during this whole streak. Uh, Sarkozy has been playing really well, so it's a whole team effort there, and you gotta love it. It's all coming from the manager. They're this. They they have the second fewest goals allowed in the league. This is a Lazio team that two seasons ago couldn't stop anybody. Yeah, I mean it's just astonishing how they've been able to correct that. Um, you know, and uh, when I take a look at this particular team that lined up on uh, Saturday, uh, I mean it's just it's it's the same three five two, and that's the th- that's the other thing that is crazy to me. There's hardly anything different that. Inzaghi's guys are doing from week to week and characteristically they're all the same and we're 26 games into the season and nobody can figure it out they're like we play our game you beat us we're not going to change what we're not going to deviate from what we do well and that's just it they put 11 guys out there that have a job to do and are so damn confident in how they do it I mean if Serbi wasn't back there this time you had Patrick Luis Felipe and Stefan Radu 
That was your back three. And so the different guys are going to come in. They all know what the job is supposed to be. They all know what their role is supposed to be in the system. And they go out and they execute it. You know, and week in and week out, we're 26 games into the season with Lazio, you know, two defeats, only 23 goals conceded. Nobody in this league can figure this out. Usually when you see a team like this, the the big boys tend to figure them out. Now they got to go to Juve here uh, before the season ends. Uh, they've got the trip to Atalanta this weekend, which is up in the air um, with the coronavirus that we already ranted about. Um, you know, so they've got some they've got some fixtures. They've got the travel to Lecce. Don't laugh. I mean, ask you ask Juve how hard that was. Ask Inter how hard that was. Okay. Ask Atalanta how easy that was. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, so they've got some they've got some fixtures in there where they can trip over themselves. And they play Napoli at the very last game of the season too. So you know, it's still in front of them a little bit. But and there's some teams that are you know lining up here that are definitely going to give them a sterner test here. So we'll see how they do. But it's amazing to me because you get to this point of the season, two-thirds into the season, just going out and doing your 3-5-2 and doing the same thing week after week, teams would teams would catch on and nobody's caught on. It's just crazy. Yeah, and it, it, you got to give full credit to Inzaghi for keeping – well, still keep the same thing. Maybe he's doing little, little nuances here and there that's – throwing teams off just much and also your players are playing that well and Immobile is obviously the star player he doesn't need to score every week he can play setup man as he did in this game uh, I think he had two assists in this game if not at least one he's uh, got to so get greedy and score goals that he does because what the there's, hell's there's, wrong there's, there's someone catching up to him and it's not well he's not there yet it's getting a little too close I guess for comfort for him so who knows I pick, Maybe. he's my pick for Capocaniari I don't put you in there I don't put you in there to pass the ball that's right. That's what Luis Alberto is for, right? Bag you some goals. That's why you got Luis Alberto, Manuel Itzadi. Get into yeah. What are you passing it for? <laughs> you your 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 tracker dropped to thirty nine from what was it forty three last week. So, but still yeah, on pace. Yeah. Still on pace. Still on pace to beat Iguain's record. So that's the important part. So yeah, it's uh, but anyway, but yeah. It, yeah, he's our captain on our uh, fantasy Serie A team, and he's my pick for Capocan and Yeti. Act like it. That's right. <laughs> I don't care about assists. <laughs> uh, uh, let's get to goals of the week. Uh, you want to have at this first? Yeah, sure. Uh, we got four games to pick, so it's hard to pick. Obviously, there's like 50 goals between you know Atalanta and uh, Roma. But uh, so my my top five goes like this: number five, uh, Di Lorenzo coming on the back post so off that pass. That uh, was a nice goal there. That comes to number five for me. Uh, number four for me is Zapata's third goal in the game. I thought that was it was a nice play overall between Ilicic, uh Papu Gomez, and Zapata. Uh, wonderful assist by Ilicic there on that on that goal. Um, number three for me is Ilicic's first goal. Uh, this is the way he danced around everybody, faked everyone out, and then does a nice little cheeky uh, finish on there. Uh, that was my number three. Number two is Ricardo Sapanara Leche. Uh, wonderful curler to the uh, top right corner with his right foot. Um, lovely, lovely technique there by Ricardo Sapanara. And then number one for me is Jao Pedro uh, taking the ball off his knee and then uh, doing a nice little chip shot over the goalkeeper, over Paolo Lopez, to get in the back of the net. I, I thought that was sublimely done. I mean, wonderfully done by Jao Pedro. Uh, that comes in number one for me. Okay. Um, slightly different. Uh, slightly different, but uh, for for me, but uh, you know Zapata completing his hat trick at number five, um, great little team goal where he was just on the finishing end of it. I like the Manolas goal better than the Di Lorenzo goal. Uh, 
Okay. Um, the, the the quality of the cross from Insigne. Yeah, it was so, nice. So that goes number four for me. Ilicic just taking that first touch past uh, and, and wrong-footing everybody on the way to a, a tap into the net at number three. Uh, and then uh, two and one for me in losing efforts. Saponara, number two. Joao Pedro, number one, for the reasons that you said. So Right on. Uh, let's get to some questions. I'm astonished. We have five questions. That's yeah. a rec- that's a record. Yeah. So let me read the first one here. Yeah. Why not? Um, well, maybe we, maybe we read, I know Michael's questions about Milan. We're going to talk about Milan here shortly. Uh, so maybe we'll save it for that one. Okay. Um, but, uh, oh no, let's do it. Uh, let's start with, let's start with that one. Okay. Uh, it says, Mike from Ohio here, three-time cap winner, Milan fan. Can you tell me what, what, when my club has hit rock bottom, how will we know and when will we get there? I feel like we're getting close. <laughs> Love the show, by the way. Well, thank you, Michael. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll have you on. You, you don't need to kiss our ass to, uh, to come back on soon. We're, we're, we'll, you'll, you'll, you're in our plans. So um, I think we hit rock bottom when we played guys like Kevin Constant and gave the captain's armband to Ricardo Montalivo. <laughs> yeah, touche. Absolutely. Yeah, we start, we're still on our ways back up, but it's had little speed bumps along the way. And this latest uh, uh, situation is just another speed bump along the way. But yeah, I agree with you. I think the banter era was our rock bottom. Yeah, uh, we're slowly coming out of it. So yeah, I think that they're working their way out. I think that it's just taking. There's just so much it's plateaued. Damage. It's plateaued after a little bit. There's so much damage done from the banter era, and then the whole cock up with. Young Hung Lee, that it's just it's a it's a massive undertaking for anybody to come in and resurrect and to expect to you know all of a sudden be able to be back to the levels that are expected of Milan. Uh, so you know not, not not no rock bottoms already happened. I still think it's I, I think that there's a trajectory. It's just a very slow one uh, for everybody's liking. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. Uh, second question we got is uh, from uh, a Jerry Mancini. I've heard Mancini. of him. Yeah. He says, how do you feel about Nutella? Also, is it the secret to Chiri Immobile's success this season? Actually, I think uh, Immobile's come out and said he's a, a, a blatant, he hates Ch- uh, Nutella, and that's why his success has been so well. <laughs> this avoids it at all costs. But anyway, what, how do you feel about Nutella? <laughs> I, it's, it, it's good when, you, when, when it serves its purpose, when you slather the shit out of it on bread, Jer- Jerry. Not that week you can see the if you can see the grain after you put the nutella you don't have enough nutella on there i prefer okay. peanut butter but that's just me yeah i had a uh, i once had a uh a nutella and burnt marshmallow milkshake uh oh, wow nitrogen uh, one of those liquid night one of those nitrogen milkshakes that uh uh it was uh one of richard blaze one of the famous uh he, he's become a famous chef here over the last several years um uh, his uh, burger place down in uh, well, he's got two in Atlanta and, and one in Birmingham, Alabama. It's called Flip Burger Boutique. Boutique, and he has these different like different t- different styles of burgers that they make. I had the steak tartare burger. Um, it had the six minute egg and capers, and it was it was like a sous vide steak burger patty, you okay. know, and on all that. So I had that. And I had a couple of beers, and for dessert, I had this Nutella and burnt marshmallow milkshake, and just made my way back to the hotel. And I called my wife, and I said, "Listen, I love you. I, I am probably going to die in my sleep tonight after everything I just ate." So, <laughs> but anyway, but that's beside the story. Beside the point, I think Nutella is just fine. You have to put a, an appropriate amount on it. Um, 
So I think Jerry got a lot of uh, got a lot of run for his uh, well poorly deserved. poorly spread Nutella on his breath. So he woke up this morning and he's he rationing just, out. I mean, you couldn't you couldn't see the bagel <laughs> <laughs> this morning, and that's like okay, good recovery there, sir. Good. Uh, so yeah, I I I don't know if it has a direct correlation to Chiro Immobile's success or not. Um, it's probably why he didn't score on Saturday because he knew you were going to do that bread such an injustice. Yeah. And he was disgusted. He was concerned, and he just decided, you know. Um, so, you know, I picked him for Kabukan and Yeri Jerry. So, please slather away. Um, slather away, young man. Yep, yep. So, but no, I, I, I don't mind it. We don't have it. I mean, you know, full disclosure, we don't have it in our house. Um, but neither, yeah, neither do we. Yeah, but I, I don't mind it. Uh, I don't mind it from time to time. So. All right, we got a question from Javier Zavala. Uh, he says, unlike this question, what are your favorite football-related books, biography, tactics, history? Do you have any, Frank? I don't read. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't read. I, didn't, I don't know how to answer this. Uh, actually, um, a, a long time ago, I read uh, Sven Goran Eriksson on football. Okay. Um, great read. Um, because he spends a lot of time uh, talking about he lo- he spends a lot of time talking about those his he, he talks a lot about his Lazio team, okay uh, you know and then up to his time you know uh, as England manager, but he there's four components in 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 football soccer calcio whatever you want to call it there's there's technique uh, tactics fitness and psychology and his book really dives into the psychological demands of the game. Uh, yeah. At least I at least that's the vibe that I got, you know, from reading the book, you know, how players manage themselves through certain situations, how he as a manager could manage the players through certain situations. Um, you know, just a lot of that, you know, which you know, it, we always know that it's there. We always know that it's a part of the game. It's not addressed as much as some of the other you know, some of the other components, because the other components we think are just of utmost importance that players have to be fit. They have to have good technique. They have to have tactical awareness. And you get that psychology, you know, the psychological aspect, you're trying to figure out where to cram it in. So I found it to be a very interesting read and how he managed players and how players manage themselves through certain situations, you know, through just about every one of his stops. Uh, You know, even talked about times uh, when he was at IFK Gothenburg. Uh, and I believe that was back in the '80s, but uh, I thought it was a very good read. Uh, so that's nice. that's one that I would definitely recommend. Uh, I got I got a few actually on my shelf that I like. Uh, I got two here from a friend of the show, Stephen Brent, uh, from the Yellow Card Podcast. Uh, he sent me Tor, which is a really good book uh, on German football, and as well as the Game of Our Lives. It's a, both really excellent books. Um, another book that uh, that I liked um, actually is a, a group of, of. See, while I'm not a Barcelona fan by any stretch, I do appreciate you know good football and especially you know my you know great football minds. And so uh, a bunch of books that I have that are kind of geared towards that. Uh, Total Football is by Johan Cruyff. Another one is called My Turn by Johan Cruyff. Uh, Pep Guardiola's um, Another Way of Winning. That was a good book. I thought Pep, Conf- Pep Confidential in his time at Bayern. I thought mm-hmm. was really good. And then lastly, The Making of the Greatest Team in the World. Well, I do not agree with the title. Uh, it's about the Barcelona team, you know, with Messi and all that stuff and, and Ronaldinho. So good reads there. They're just, it's just great to see, you know, the analytical side of, of those books and uh, the minds and how they thought about games and, and this and that. So it's really great stuff. And it really all stems from Johan Cruyff, which is obviously a fantastic footballing mind. So, um, yeah, those are the ones I, uh, I recommend. Yeah, I mean, the only other, the only other books um, – 
that are at least football related for me were coaching books, you know, training exercises, yeah, you know, and things like that. Um, Anson Dorrance had a book uh, many, many years ago, the women's, the, the, the very successful women's coach at North Carolina. I did read that as well. And, uh, you know, the, the um, training women champions is what I think it's called. Um, the name, the name of the book escapes me, okay. uh, but, but thought that was a very good read too. training soccer champions. I'm sorry. It's, is what it was called. It was, uh, okay. it was one of his first book, one of his first books that he came back, uh, you know, came out and did, um, very, very good. Uh, he's since written books, guide to a winning culture, the man watching. Uh, so the vision of a champion, uh, actually, that's I don't know if that was his book or not, but I'm, I'm looking at some of this other stuff. But training soccer champions, uh, you know, dealt with a lot of stuff as far as how he managed players uh, in his time at the University of North Carolina. You know, he's still there, um, but at the University of North Carolina uh, at the time where I mean, especially at the time when the UNC women were at the height, he coached the first U.S. women's national team. Uh, at, at the at the women's World Cup in '91, that went on and won it. I mean, they just destroyed everybody, uh, and then you know beat Norway in the final. And I think that game was a little bit closer, but on the way there, they just crushed everybody they played. And that's when Mia Hamm was just breaking through, and you had Michelle Akers and you know plenty of these uh, you know plenty of these uh, past players. So um, you know, found that to be an interesting read and one that I kind of latched onto when I was in my early coaching years. So. Um, it's just been so long since I've looked since I so long since I've read it, but that Sven Goran Eriksson on football is another one. If you, if you can get your hands on yeah, it at some point, yeah. that was a, re- that was a really good book. Yeah. So. I, I, that's one I remember from back in the day and I, I, I totally forgot about the book. Good, good call on that one. Um, another question from a, an Italo Canadian, uh, Joseph Porco. He asked, do you think Lazio will actually win the Scudetto this season? Oh, wow. Um, I just laid out some fixtures and some opponents that could figure them out where they could lose a little bit of steam here. Um, It's really hard to bet against the streak, uh, even though this might be the most vulnerable Juventus team um, we've seen, you know, in the last few years. Gosh, it's so up in the air. Uh, I would love to see Lazio win it just for somebody different. I think it would be a great story for the league. It would be a great advert for the league. Uh, you know, so on the one end, I think it would be great if they won it, Joseph. But whether they'll actually win it, I still think Juve is going to figure out how to win this thing. Something's going to click. They're going to get it all figured out, and they're going to win. Chiellini is going to come back and get his legs under him a little bit, and uh, the team will have a little bit more leadership on the pitch as a result. Um, you know, I just – right now Lazio are probably the best-looking team at the moment out of the three yeah. uh, position in the table notwithstanding. Inter has some frailties and, and some inconsistencies with them, although they're figuring that out a little bit. Juventus, you worry about that midfield. You worry about – you know, the imagination and attack. Uh, I mean, that Lyon game was a disaster. Uh, and and just living proof that Paulo Dybala is not ready to be a false nine the way Dries Mertens was a false nine. Um, and here we were where we could go saying, hey, it has potential. Well, we just saw a game where it was just terrible. Yep. Um, but right now, I'd love to see him do it. I just, I, 
I, Juventus just has that veteran makeup where they're close enough and and have the know-how to figure it out and overtake them. Um, I picked Juventus to win it way back at the beginning of the season, and I'm I'm not going to change my actual prediction as far as my brain, but as, you know, my 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 heart would love to see a different champion in there this year. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm along the same lines as you. Is, uh, I think Lazio has as good a chance as anybody. I would love to see Lazio or even Inter win the title this year uh, just to have a different uh, winner at the top. Uh, but the one thing going against all of that is Juventus knows how to win. They have it in their DNA now. Uh, how many years in a row now is it? Eight, right? So yep. um, they know how to win when the chips are against them. They find a way to win. Uh, Ronaldo is hot at the moment, so you got that going for you as well. It doesn't look as I think. I think Lazio and and even Inter will push Juventus to the very end. Uh, but I, I, it's hard to go against Juventus. Uh, same reason as you, it's hard to go against you know Bayern in in the Bundesliga. These teams just find a way every year to uh, to win the title, no matter what, no matter how much the chips are stacked against them. So, yeah, I I, I would love to see it, uh, but I, I'm gonna have to, like you. I'm gonna have to go with Juventus in this one, and. Um, Kind of going off of that, the, the, the last question we got from Mario Alberto, he says, give us your re- realistic thoughts on how Serie A will end and then give us what y'all want to see happen at the end of the season. I think we both want a, want a new champion, but how do you re- realistically think the season will end? I think Juve will find a way to win this title again. You know, And I don't want to get into the conspiracies or any of this other stuff. I just think that the experience and the know-how is there, that you know, it's kind of a been there, done that thing. Lazio, like I said, have some fixtures where they might be able to figure out this three-five-two riddle that they're throwing at everybody. Um, it, where you know, like I said, Napoli, uh, Juventus at the J, even at Lecce, which has been tricky for some. Um, you know, enough problems and enough landmines for them where this could curb them just a little bit. Um, and then Inter still can be a thing in this in this race. So, you know. I picked, like I said, I picked Juve to win it at the beginning of the season, and I've got no, you know, I'm going to stick with them as far as my actual brain prediction. Uh, I think Chiro Immobile will break Gonzalo Higuain's record, um, but only okay. just. I think he'll finish with 30. I think he'll finish with 39, which is what he's on pace for. Um, I think Atalanta will score 100 goals in Serie A this season. Uh, they currently have 70 through 25 games. Um, yeah, and if we that's doable. they are on pace for 106, uh, so I think that they will have a century of goals this season. Uh, and then when let's take a look at their fixtures because they've got some they've got some people they can pick on at Udinese. They got Napoli at home at Cagliari. Cagliari's just shipping goals left and right. Sampdoria at Juve, Brescia at home at Verona, Bologna is giving up goal. I mean, there's there's plenty of goals to, for them to score yet. So. Um, they go to Milan, uh, so I think that they'll Atalanta will finish top four, and I think they'll finish with 100 goals or more this season. I think Chiro will be the all-time uh, single-season leading scorer, uh, and I think your relegated teams are going to be Spal, Brescia, and a Genovese club. I'm going to say Lecce burns out. Okay. Um. But only just and only barely, and it's going to be heartbreaking. Um, you know, I think that they got on this nice run. They put up some wins, but I think that they'll just burn. I just and I think a lot of it is just the optics. I can't see Genoa and Serie B. I can't see Samp 
or Torino in Serie B. You know, the only other team after that is Udinese, and I think that there's just enough in their locker uh, yeah. to stay afloat. So it, it it leads me to go back to Lecce and say that they'll be the third team to go down when this is all said and done. There's there's 12 to 14 games left, depending who you are. Plenty of time for them to, you know, get to a point where maybe they've peaked with some of these interesting wins and now working their way back down. Yeah, I know, 100%. And uh, what I would love to see is, you know, both Lazio and Inter take Juve to to the last day and then someone win it on that day. That would, I would love to see that. Whoever wins it on that, that would be great. But um, I, I think Juve is ultimately going to win it. Um, I would love to see Ch- Chiro uh, get the record. Um, well, it looked a certainty, you know, a few weeks ago. He's, the well is drying up a little bit, but I think there's still enough in there in his locker that he's going to get the record. Um I think he's going to be pushed the whole way, though, by Ronaldo for sure. Um, it'd be great to see Atalanta, like you said, score 100 goals. I agree with that 100%. Um, I think the top four certainly is going to be Atalanta, Inter, Lazio, and Juventus. Uh, Champions League spots or Europa League spots are probably going to be somehow Roma and definitely Napoli. I think Milan misses out on that. Um, Coppa Italia, you know. I would not bet against Napoli because the form that they're in, but it's hard to go against the champions as well. Yep. You know, so I, I could see, I could certainly see a double from from Juventus. And uh, yeah, I like your shout about the the, the, the relegated teams. Uh, Spal and Brescia look a certainty. Um, I don't. I wouldn't want to see any of the Genovese clubs go down. Um, I think Lecce offers less than those two. But I mean, the way they've been playing the season, it's 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 certainly applauding. You can certainly applaud the way they they played, but. Um, and the way their fans have showed up to every freaking game, and their jerseys are just ama- amazing. Um, I still think, you know, somehow, some way, that Genoa and Sampdoria are going to do just enough to get to get out, and Lecce is going to drop enough points that they're going to be stuck back in. So, um, I like that. I like that shot by you. So, yeah, yep. yeah. All right. What does everybody else think uh, of the questions that were presented to us and your answers? You can go to at Serie Asset down on Twitter or Instagram. Or if you've got any other questions that you'd like us to answer, just on Twitter, we'd be happy to do that too. Uh, let's finish up with a story featuring Milan. Okay, so uh, we're going to follow up on a story that was initially floated around Richard a few weeks ago, and that is the uh, prospect of Ralph Ragnick uh, arriving at Milan. Uh, This is from the Football Italia staff. He has reportedly alerted his collaborators about a possible move to Milan this summer and that there is, quote, no room for Paolo Maldini and Zvonimir Boban, end quote. Uh, The German newspaper Bilt is running the story about a future role at the Rossoneri for the former RB Leipzig coach. Milan are reportedly willing to offer the current football director at Red Bull a chance to take on a role as manager for the Rossoneri, working in the same way as an English coach would do in the Premier League. The newspaper has written that the 61-year-old will bring his own collaborators to the San Siro and therefore mean that Maldini and Boban would lose their jobs at Milanello. If Rangnick arrives at Milan, that will mean the CEO, Ivan Gazidis, gets his will as previous reports have highlighted that Maldini and Boban were hoping to bring Massimiliano Allegri back to the club. All right. Well, that escalated well, quick. That escalated quickly. Yeah. In the yeah, words of Ron Burgundy. <laughs> it certainly did. Um, yeah, wow. I mean, first off, is there any club, at, at least in Serie A, if not, the, if not Europe, that you know messes with their, their stars more than Milan? 
I mean, from, you know, having their, their ex-stars, you know, come as coaches and then burn out or, or kick them out right away, you know, with Inzaghi and, and Seedorf and, and so forth, or, uh, you know, the way they're treating, you know, uh, uh, both uh, Maldini and um, Boban. I mean, it's, it's crazy the way they're treating their past stars. But with that said, I mean, it's just not the worst Milan. We're not at the bottom. We're not, we're not rock bottom. We're not the banter era. Uh, but still, this is crazy the way all this is manifesting. Uh, I think Boban said could leave by next week or something I read. Um, and Maldini's decision is still up in the air, but it looks like he would be likely to leave too if that would be the situation. So, yeah, I don't know what to make of all this, man. I don't. Tell us, uh, re- refresh us all about Ragnik, uh, his time at Leipzig, his tactics, how he likes to play, um, and uh, and what Milan fans could expect once the if this is actually going to move forward. I mean, I, I I know from a managerial aspect, he is just an average ma- manager, in my opinion. Um, the teams that he's managed have have done okay. Nothing, nothing, nothing spectacular. Uh, he he, what he excels at is the development of teams, um, creating a, a an attacking type team and uh, a team that likes to press. You know, very similar to the Gagan press in, in, in Germany. Uh, this is the kind of team you. So he's very good at building teams. You can obviously see with the Leipzig team uh, um, and some of the other teams that he's uh, managed. Uh, through the years, or, or I guess oversaw throughout the years. So that I think that's the thing he's going to bring the best towards Milan. The managing aspect, I think, is just going to be uh, a, a gap until he gets he finds someone that he can fill in, fill the boots in. In the meantime, um, obviously, there's names out there that are available. A lot of people again have been talking about Frank Riker to be perfect for something like this. I've been preaching his name since he left Barcelona. Really went went hiding in in, in Turkey or wherever he is now, uh, Greece. So. Um, yeah, the, the thing that Milan fans should look forward to is that it, it, he's going to build a team, Ranić, that is, uh, that is um, an attractive offensive type playing team that likes to press. Um, he's going to he's going to work on building the youth and and and, and getting that better because that's uh, all the teams that he's had. He's always developed the youth players very very well. Um, so that you have a lot to look forward to. But I think the managerial aspect is just going to be another average manager. I mean. I, I would probably say he's probably no different than maybe a Pioli, honestly. Um, but I think the main reason why he's going to be here is because he's going to be developing the team and being the sporting director or whatever the title is that they're going to give him. Uh, I think that's going to be the, the key thing there. And he's just going to be the stopgap until they find the manager that maybe he has someone in mind already. He's just waiting for them to their contract to expire or something. I don't know. Um, he will be the stopgap until that person gets here. So don't be don't be too don't be too. Uh, surprised if you don't see anything any fireworks from the managerial aspect but it's more going to be from the front office side and that's uh that's at least one thing you can hold your head on the optics of this are terrible because oh yeah if this is true then it's two more milan legends pushed out the door including the one of the most transcendent of milan legends in maldini yep um so there would be a lot if this backfires um i mean the gazitas out hashtag is already happening yeah. Um, as a result of all of this, but if this backfires, boy, the the, the natives are going to get restless. Yeah, uh, start over from scratch. <laughs> yeah, and Elliot is going to have to tear it down again, and they're going to have to start over again. And then to Michael Lisi's point, that's there'll be a new rock bottom for Milan to hit. Yeah. So, you know, I I I like the tactical approach of Rangnick. Um, the one th- other thing that's worrying me coming out of this, I do, it's floated around that Gazidis may have a cap on what 
Milan players are paid. Um, I've heard that in the past. That is part of the cleaning up the books to get them more in compliance with UEFA. Um, this means no Zlatan. That means pop, probably no Donnarumma. He'll be making too much money. And I'd be moving on from players that are making too much money. You're going to just further anger the Milan base. So is there, you know, your Bundesliga experience with, you know, how bad the optics are with all of this, um, the potential for this to just, you know, I mean, the, the, the backlash. Is there something what can Milan fans take comfort with with a decision if they take a decision like this and Ragnick is going to be, you know, the the, the director and coach? He's probably going to find uh, – he's probably got the scouting capabilities uh, at his disposal. He can bring in people from, not only from Leipzig but from other places that he's, that he's managed at or, or, be, or been at uh, to help with finding youngsters, finding these gems and uh, these places that Milan has been struggling over the last, you know, recent years. And, and so uh, bringing in the youth – talented youth players that, that can jump in right away and, and start playing. Uh, I mean, the Le- just look at Leipzig, for example. I mean, their whole team is pretty much under the age of 22, and they're freaking, you know, challenging uh, Bayern Munich for the for the title this year. Uh, this is what Reinick does. He goes and finds young players that can into a system that he that he wants to play and then finds, finds people to fit that mold. Uh, and I think that's kind of like what – uh, we saw with uh, some managers like Inzaghi. Inzaghi, he's finding players that, that fit the mold that he wants and then develops them, and now you see what the, the fruit of the labor is. And so and this is kind of what Ranić does, and, and goes. he's going to find that youngsters. And I think what we can uh, at least uh, hope that it's gonna, definitely going to happen is that the youth teams are going to be – or the youth players, the talented players that come through the, um, through the ranks will be much better ready – to step into the first team as opposed to they are the way they are now and right now it's you don't really see much. I mean Donnarumma is really the only one. I mean um, Calabria here and there, but he's not that great. And so uh, that's the one thing you have to look forward to. I mean if if Gazidis is really putting a cap on stuff, you know that the good old days of buying you know big time players is probably gonna be done with for a, at least for a while until the books get um, uh, squared away. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting times, no doubt about it. Yeah, let's just see how this all unfolds. Uh, here over the next several days, it's uh, it's concerning. It, it it's concerning to say the least. As a Milan supporter, um, you know I always have been willing to give a new manager a chance to just try to see what they're going to be able to do and to see if they can deliver. Um, you know, I, I even said, all right, well, this is what they went with with Giampaolo. Let's see what happens. And in preseason, there were signs to be encouraged, but then that flat loss to Udinese suggested this is a bad idea. Um, yeah. You know, I was happy with the Pioli appointment uh, when it happened. Here, I would say, all right, I don't know how necessary a change this really is, but, you know, if, if, if Elliot feels the need to try it, it's their money, you know. Um, and it's up to them if they want to continue to have a fan base around, too, if they're not going to be happy with the decisions that they're going to make, too. So it's going to be very interesting. It's going to, you know, like anything else, it's something that's going to be a process for, for me in particular um, as a fan to, to try to understand, you know, the reasons for why they would move forward and uh, to see how Ragnick will go about doing his daily business at Milan too. So, um, so we'll have to see what happens. Uh, Milan fans, your thoughts on the latest developments, uh, the very likelihood that Maldini and Boban are out 
uh, with Ralph Ragnick coming in in the summer uh, to be director and manager at Milan. Go to at City Asset down on Twitter or Instagram with your thoughts. And with that, we're going to put a bow on this edition of City Sit Down. Uh, Richard, plug away. Yeah, I mean, uh, as always, uh, you know, go to our YouTube page and uh, and give us a, a follow and a, sh- and a like there. Uh, but as always, you know, just share the podcast uh, with as many people as as possible. Yeah, there's obviously a plethora of Syria uh, faithfuls out there uh, from all over the world. We're, we're we love uh, interacting with all you people. So the more the more the merrier to to bring Calcio into more people's hearts and homes. Uh, that's what we're here for, right? And so um, give the uh, if you haven't done so yet, make sure you go on Instagram and. And, and Facebook and follow our, our pages there as well. And you know we we enjoy all the comments and questions we get because it's a uh, it's really it's really uh, appreciated by both Frank and I. So as always, you can follow me anywhere at r underscore k h a r m a n. Excellent. You can find me at ftc underscore twenty one. Uh, City I Sit Down is available on Apple Podcasts. We have our own channel there. SoundCloud, we have our own channel there. You can also find us on Stitcher, Spotify, just about anywhere podcasts are played. You can find us. Um, I'll uh, double down on Richard's comments about checking out the City I Sit Down YouTube page. Like, subscribe, comment uh, on the videos and the content that you see there. Uh, at City I Sit Down on Twitter. Instagram, and you can also find City I Sit Down on Facebook. Drop comments, questions, uh, anything you'd like. Uh, we'll do the best we can to answer and address all of them. Uh, I'm at, like I said, I'm at FTC underscore 21. Um, even with only four games, Richard, we still managed to do a full podcast. <laughs> Skill. Skill, my friend. Oh, well, all that talk about Nutella, you know, that's what it was. Yeah, how about so, Jerry? Yep, yep. So, anyway. So uh, looking forward to uh, delivering another podcast next week with God knows what games that are going to end up getting played. Uh, but uh, hang in there, City Huff fans. Hopefully uh, somebody exercises some common sense. Play the games on the FIFA date, guys. Figure out how to do it. That's all I'm saying. These guys don't need to go play for Italy during these friendlies. Let them play for their clubs. But, you know, I don't have a role in that. I don't have a role in any of that. I can just only throw out the idea. Uh, so we do thank you for taking the time to listen to us. For Richard, I'm Frank. Thanks as always. Make sure you tell your paisans about us. Ciao.